I've talked to a lot of people who are really, really tired about watching the news. I don't know if that includes you, but uh, yeah, I see some people raising their hands right there. Uh, you know, because so much of it is bad news, isn't it? A lot of people say that they just quit watching altogether because they don't want to have to deal with all the negativity and, and the depression that seems to pop in. But I think that the news in today's world pretty much reflects where we are individually right now. Because there is very little peace in people's hearts today. And there may be very little peace in your heart this morning. A lot of times we end up thinking, man, if I could just have some peace. And we think that peace is possibly the absence of conflict. Yet how many in this room are tormented by the past? Other people think of peace that when things run smoothly, and yet how many of us have been in situations where we're in a smoothly operating um, uh, work environment, and all of a sudden some words are said that just bring about an explosion and an open conflict. Nations that seem to have so much in common all of a sudden find themselves on the verge of war over a border or a philosophical dispute of some kind. People on social media will respond to a tweet or a picture or a post with such anger and vitriol that a war of words and hurtful things are said that are often so damaging that they irreparably damage the relationship. Recently, a former Facebook executive at a Stanford University uh, School of Business lecture said that social media was ripping our society apart. He also talked about how, as an example of that, on social media there's an awful lot of false news and hoaxes that develop. And in one instance, he referred to a group in India where seven people were lynched because of false information that was passed on through, through Facebook. And then he goes on to say that people seek the comfort of hearts, likes, thumbs up, emoticons, rather than in more substantial relational interactions. And he even adds, I don't even let my kids mess with that stuff. And yet, even relationships are imperfect, aren't they? Even relationships leave us with a deep sense of uncertainty. And in a search for peace, some resort to other things, such as alcohol and drugs, and then they find that those things end up imprisoning them more than they realize. They find themselves in prisons of their own making. I suspect that there are probably some people in this room who are in their own prisons. And you may argue till you're blue in the face and say, no, I'm free, I'm free, I can do this. I can handle it. But in any of those things that I've mentioned, there is no peace there. There are many people, as I've said before, who are trapped in the prison of anger, of worry, of conflict, of bitterness, insecurity, even hate. And maybe we've been there for so long that we don't know how to get out of it anymore. Maybe we've given up. 
And maybe we've begun asking, is there any way in which I can experience peace again in my life? So many of us look at peace as being influenced by all the external circumstances that we have. And we reason to ourselves, if I get this particular thing, then I'll have peace. And there is, a, there is that kind of a surge of emotion that we end up having when we get a new car or we move into a new house or we get that promotion and different things like that. But then it fades very, very quickly, especially when the payments come in. Or sometimes we think, well, if I can just overcome this one hurdle, then peace will come. Or if I make this much money, then I'll have peace. If, if we avoid or resolve this conflict, then there will be peace. And bottom line, we end up basing our peace on our circumstances, on our surroundings, on how we feel. And those change momentarily. Some of you have gone through an entire change of emotions just over the past two minutes that I've talked. Or maybe I've talked four, I don't know. They change so quickly. And the words for peace in the Bible, irene in Greek and shalom in Hebrew, convey something that is far, far deeper than our circumstances. It, it conveys something that is far, far more meaningful. It refers to an inner condition that is totally devoid of the circumstances. It is something that we have within it's an inner harmony, a sense of a safety, and a reference to the health of one's soul. It's a peace that, as the Bible says, passes understanding. When Jesus was born, the sky was ablaze with God's glory as the angels joyfully announced to the shepherds that God's promised Savior had been born and they sang in Luke chapter 2, verse 14, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom His favor rests. And basically what they were declaring was that there could be peace in a not-so-peaceful setting because, folks, things were not peaceful back then. There were a lot of people who were struggling with poverty. There were a lot of people who were seeking to... An, eke out some kind of a living, and the shepherds were among them. They were the lowest of the lowest on the, on the social totem pole in the Jewish culture. On top of that, they had a tyrant that was imposing new rules and new regulations, somebody that was not welcome within their culture, and they resented the dickens out of him. And they sought to rebel multiple times. On top of that, this tyrant decided, okay, we're going to have a census to figure out how many people we have. Translation, taxes. And I don't think they liked it. Do you? Does anybody like taxes? <laughs> okay, nobody raised their hands. Good. Uh, we don't like it. You know, we talk about politics today being bad. Things weren't much better back in the first century, back in the time of Jesus. And in the midst of all that turmoil, the angels said that this baby who had just been born was the one who could bring peace. The one who could give peace. 
Fast forward 33 and roughly a half years as Jesus stands before his disciples and just a few hours before his death, he says to them, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, I do not give you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. You see, folks, I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ is the only one who can give us lasting peace. And in so doing, he can free us from the prisons that confine us. And I think that's one of the reasons why Paul's letters written when he was in prison are so incredibly meaningful and bring to life the entire meaning of Christmas as we focus on who Jesus is. Because here he was confined. He couldn't do what he wanted to do. And yet he exuded a hope that was beyond measure as we saw a few weeks ago. And he, 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 he reveled in the love of God as we saw last week. But he also had peace. His circumstances were far less than ideal. But his focus and disposition reflected a peace that was inspirational. Now, we tend to dismiss people in the Bible. We say, well, they're superheroes. After all, they did amazing things, didn't they? But one of the reasons why those people are listed in the Bible is to help us to see that these were ordinary folks with foibles and faults just like you and I. But they believed in an extraordinary God. And they tapped into Him. And this Christmas season, we are invited to join them so that we can truly experience peace in our lives. And it's all wrapped up in the person of Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you, first of all, that because of Christmas, we can have peace with God. Last week we talked about the amazing love that God poured out for us in Jesus Christ. The kind of love that is real, that's relentless, that's generous, that's sacrificial, and that calls for a response. And Jesus, uh, God showed us that through the, uh, His love, through the, the birth, the growing up years, the ministry, the death, the burial and resurrection of Jesus, his one and only Son. And in love, God, through Jesus, offers us a salvation that is not only a rescue from a horrific eternity without Him and a place in His presence for eternity, but also a salvation that involves the here and the now because we are redeemed and we are able to do some things that we never thought could be possible as the people of God, and we can make a difference for His glory. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Folks, please, let me be clear. We can never earn God's love and grace. It is given to us freely by Him, but we should respond to it. We are called to respond to the grace and accept it. And the way we do that is by placing our unwavering faith, our lives, our beings, 
totally under the lordship of Jesus Christ and allow for him to rule our lives. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever been in a situation where your boss has been really ticked off at you? I think I heard some chuckles or rumbles or something like that. I mean, really ticked off at you so badly that they wanted to go ahead and fire you? Ever been in that kind of situation? Imagine, if you will, that through a freak situation, you end up meeting his son, and you make friends with him out of the workplace, and you just kind of interact with him and everything like that. And pretty soon, you find that the son has been talking to you to, uh, to his dad about you. And the disposition of the boss starts changing towards you. Instead of a frown, you get a smile at work. Instead of a... <clears throat> you hear him ask, how you doing? And then you find out that he invites you over to his house to have supper with him and his son. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Pretty unreal, isn't it? And even though the analogies may tend to break down a little bit, please understand that the peace that God off, that we have with God is that He is no longer at war with us. He is no longer opposed to us in our sin. But because of what Jesus has done for us, <clears throat> He forgives our sin and He views us as His kids. And He makes us His and we not only have the opportunity to become friends with him, but he adopts us into his family. And it's only because of a relationship with Jesus. The first gift that Jesus gives us is peace with the Father. And his Father becomes our Father. And we become his children when we're promised that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we accept God's gift at Christmas, who is Jesus Christ, we have peace with God. And our past has forgiven, our, is forgiven, our present has meaning, and our future is secured. But we not only are given the gift of peace with God, we are also given the opportunity to have peace within through Jesus Christ. So many of the prisons that we find ourselves in are self-built, aren't they? We've mentioned them in past weeks. Bitterness, loneliness, financial pressure, insecurity, addictions, depression, just to name a few of them. And some of us are constantly on the go doing something because we don't want to have to deal with quiet times where we have to sit down and, and, and have all those things rushing back at us that trouble us. And there are a number who probably go ahead and just allow for the alcohol, for the drugs, or other things to just somehow minimize some of the pain that we feel. have peace within 
Paul shares these thoughts in, Ephes- in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 9. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have heard or learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Now, folks, we could spend weeks looking at this one passage of Scripture because it is so full of really juicy spiritual morsels. And maybe that's for another time. But today, let's see first of all that God's peace will protect us. First, if we pray. If we ask, because that's what petition really is. And we give thanks. And if you look at the model of Jesus that he gave about prayer in Matthew chapter 6, we call it the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. If you look at that first part of the, of the, uh, of the prayer, the first part of that prayer is worship. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's also confession. Seeing God for who he really is and who we are in relationship to him. Because he is God, we are not. He is ruler, we are subjects. He is perfect, we are not. He is powerful and we are weak. He is redeemer. And we have been redeemed, bought back by him. And then we turn around and we ask forgiveness for the the things that we've done. And we share our needs with him to release us from the prison of guilt or shame, to free us from the jail, jail of resentments, to be agents of forgiveness in reaching out toward others, particularly those who have wronged us. Forgive us as we forgive others. And finally, to hear our request for provision and help. When Paul says that we think it, need to think about these true and noble things, and he goes on to list whatever is admirable, whatever is good, whatever is pure, we're called to focus our thoughts on him. Last week it snowed. Some of y'all miss church. Uh, it was dangerous uh, for a lot of people to get out. And um, so we had a 1045 service. We didn't have to, Pam and I didn't have to be here early. And so we got outside and we got into the car. Well, I started to get into the car, but Pam was outside with her camera taking pictures. Taking pictures of the tree, taking trees, taking pictures of of the beautiful skyline, the blue skyline, the sunlit. And, and she would just, we we're almost, la- no, no, we weren't. I'm just kidding. But, but she, just, she was just enthralled by it all. 
and as I drove over here, I'd had some things that had just really been bothering me that morning. And I had to lay them aside and focus on those things because they declared the glory of God. And they helped me to focus on Him. Do you stop to reflect on all the good things that God has given you? Do you stop to reflect on all the good that He is? You see, quite honestly, folks, we are often imprisoned by our stuff because we don't think about God enough. We don't focus on His thoughts that are revealed in His Word. We don't internalize our praise to Him. We don't reflect on the wonder that He is greater than He that is in the world. Instead, we allow for the circumstances to bring us down. And my challenge for you and my challenge for all of us is for you to start your day before Facebook, before school, before work. Okay, maybe after your first cup of coffee. Okay? Or tea, if uh, Will has anything to say about it. To read some scripture. To ask God for help as you, for, so that you can see things as he sees them. And act in the way that he would want. And at the end of this year and toward the beginning of next, December 31st, Will's going to be preaching and he's going to share the the beginnings of what can be uh, through the Bible in a year reading program. And it's going to show up in our bulletin through weekly readings. It's also going to show up on other social media that we're planning and that that he's working on. And it's going to be an opportunity for us to make a resolution for 2018 to read through the entire Bible so that more of God will soak into our souls and our hearts and our minds. Because when we allow for God's thoughts to fill ours, then the God of peace will be with us. But there's another element. And that is that the peace of God or the peace that, we, that Jesus offers not only gives us peace with God and peace within, but it gives us the opportunity to have peace with others. I want you to go back to the book of Ephesians chapter 2 once again. <clears throat> we looked at that last week, the first eight verses, ten, ten verses, excuse me. <clears throat> but in, in Bible times, people struggled with polarization just as much as we struggle with it today. You know, there are, we talk about all these kinds of divides that take place between us. And we look at them and we simply say, you know, there's just a lot of division. And I have to admit, there is. And I know most of you don't like it. And I know that I don't. There's racial, economic, social, all sorts of different kind of divisions that take place. But you see, without excusing that, there were also divisions that took place back in the first century culture. You see, there were the Jews, the chosen people of God. And I don't say that to make fun of the Jewish people. 
And then there was everybody else who were considered Gentiles. But they were tolerated at best by the Jewish people. And when the church began, these two groups started to mesh together and it was really, really a struggle. And Jesus Christ changed all of that perception. And in verse 13, we read these words. But now in Christ Jesus, you who who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace who has made the true two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in His flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in Himself the uh, one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which He put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near for through Him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Folks, I want you to notice something about this passage. If you look at it and you circle the word peace, it's mentioned four times in this short passage of Scripture. Five or six verses. And in the Bible, whenever something was mentioned twice within a verse or two, there was an emphasis there. It was something very important. But here it's mentioned four times, and it's kind of like a neon sign blinding you on the road at nighttime. You know, like those new church signs that come out, and they're just, whoa, you know, and you just find yourself dealing with them. It's calling attention to something and say, you need to pay attention to this. Don't miss it. Don't just notice. Make it happen. It calls to action. And the one thing that we are told here is that when we embrace the Christ of Christmas, we embrace being at peace with others. Not just people that we like, but those that we struggle with. Not just people like us, but those who may look and act and appear very different to us. And I'll give you a real practical example of that. Um, Will just mentioned that we're hosting Caritas this week. An opportunity came up. I know that there are probably a lot of people, including people in this room, who really have you know, you, you just kind of react and say, oh, those homeless guys, I don't like them. And internally you think that. I don't want to have anything to do with them. They probably brought this on themselves. And the tendency is to just exclude them. Could I encourage you or challenge you to come some evening this week between 5.30 and 6 o'clock. Is that right? 6 o'clock is supper time? Is that, am I right on that? Okay. And just sit at the table and listen to their stories. Listen to where they are. And you'll find that you'll have so much more in common with them than you ever realize. And these are people that are seeking peace in their lives. And you may just have the opportunity to mention it to them. 
about a month ago, <coughs> Pam and I were walking through um, Short Pump Mall. They just changed everything over um, to uh, uh, the Christmas decorations and what have you. And you know how beautiful that place gets when Christmas uh, happens. But you also probably know that if you've been to Short Pump Mall, there is an international flavor there. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> you know that there are people from all walks of life and all different backgrounds, all nationalities. And they were out there allowing for the kids to play. And this evening, a husband and wife and child, a little girl and an older lady were walking around and they were taking selfies, you know, trying to take selfies of all four of them. And um, they... They were struggling to get everybody in, and uh, I, I went ahead and uh, went up to him and said, uh, could I take a picture for you? And I was able to do that. And then in the course of conversation, I mentioned to them, since I recognized the apparel that was being worn, um, particularly by the grandma, who was visiting the family. He said, you know, I just, got to, I just got to visit India a few weeks ago. And this older lady's countenance literally changed. She lit up and she reached out. She didn't know me from Adam. She reached out and she grabbed my hand and she smiled at me and said, thank you for visiting my country. I wish I could tell you that uh, I was able to lead them through a plan of salvation and talk to them about knowing the Lord and everything like that, but in the few short minutes that I had, that did not happen. But I knew that this lady was from the Hindu faith and it showed in the way that she dressed. There were some markings that were very, very prevalent there. And I made a connection with her. And it was one that brought her peace. And I pray that I'm able to meet these, this young couple eventually again and maybe continue that journey of peace together. But whether I do or not, Jesus has called me to be an agent of peace. He has called me to be an agent of reconciliation just as he has called you to do the very same thing. He unites people. He heals relationships. He helps us overcome even the most hurtful events so that we can know the joy of, the, of total forgiveness by him and by others and experience peace. And my question to you today is, who do you need to make peace with? Who do you need to forgive? Who have you ignored and you need to reach out to? I know, I know. You know, with pride coming into the play, it's hard to do that initially. But he, the Bible says, is our peace. And he has broken down every wall. And the peace that we strive for on earth will one day be a reality in heaven. 
as we'll be with a great, great multitude, the Bible says, of every nation, of every tribe, people, language, and before God, and we will shout, salvation belongs to, the, to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And together, together we will praise Him with abandon, with joy, because He is our peace. But we need to start practicing now. And a starting point is to make peace with others. Starting with the ones that we know. Moving on to others that we don't. And then by God's grace to more and more. And each time, if they don't know him, to introduce them to the Prince of Peace because they need him just as much as we do. Father, Thank you for being our peace. Thank you for making peace through Jesus. Thank you that we can know the joy, the joy that is beyond all things in knowing that we have peace with you and we can have peace with you. Oh God, I know that there are probably some people in this room that don't have that. And I just pray through your Holy Spirit that you will reach down and you will touch, that you will encourage, that you will speak so that decisions will be made that will allow for each of us to have peace. First of all, with you, within, and also with others. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.